Welcome to The Scope with Dr. K, where together we can reimagine GI care. Welcome to The Scope with Dr. K. I'm Dr. Kaczynski. We're going to open the show today as we always do by stating that the goal of this series is to present you with a broad scope of value-based care issues, mainly involving the field of gastroenterology, but also outside of GI as well. We continue this month with an interesting representative from the provider side, but one whose companies provide support services to providers as well as advisory services. Our guest today is Praveen Suthram. Praveen is an entrepreneur and a healthcare futurist. He co-founded Next Services, a company that helps healthcare businesses thrive through better improved back office operations and enhanced technology. He also recently co-founded a second company, Novo Liver, a company that helps reverse fatty liver disease through weight loss. Additionally, he runs a digital mastermind program for gastroenterology leaders. Praveen has been featured in Forbes, the Economic Times, Detroit News, and Stat News. He's the author of two books, Private Equity and Gastroenterology and Scope Forward, books that have transformed the space of gastroenterology. He serves on the board of Dr. Mohan's Diabetes Center, one of the largest VC-funded diabetic chains in India. Welcome to the show, Praveen. Thank you, uh, Dr. Kaczynski. It's a distinct honor and pleasure to be here. And I'm so glad uh, uh, that we're talking. I always enjoy our uh, conversation. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Well, I am too. I enjoyed it when I appeared on your podcast and uh, I, uh, I'm looking forward to today. You begin Scope Forward with a discussion of what you call exponential technologies. What are exp exponential technologies? Sure. Uh, so Larry, exponential technologies are advanced technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, digital biology, virtual reality, augmented reality, sensors, uh, even the microbiome, which would actually come under digital biology for me, and uh, robotics, 3D printing. Uh, so we have a whole slew of these uh, exponential or advanced technologies, and uh, they're coming into healthcare and even gastroenterology in a big way. Taking a step back, uh, if you actually think about why exactly are these technologies exponential and why should they be called so? Uh, if you go back to the days of uh, the microprocessor uh, and when computing chips uh, be began doubling in speed and performance and reducing uh, in cost. If you go back to those days, the early days of the microprocessor, there was a man called Gordon Moore, uh, whom we all know. Uh, at that time, he was in Intel. And he made a prediction that you can cram more number of integrated circuits uh, or, or components into an integrated circuit. Uh, and uh, it would keep doubling every few years, and it would keep reducing in cost at the same time. And at that time, he said it would go for about 10 years. Now, here we are 50 plus years later, uh, Moore's prediction has become Moore's law, uh, and it, it still holds true. So now, if you see what is underlying digitization of anything, any industry, it is this prediction. Uh, it is this prediction that is powering uh, all of digitization. 
so when a field or a product or a service becomes digital then it has the scope uh, to follow moore's law so that's why it uh, escalates rapidly it expands rapidly and and it grows exponentially at the same time the costs keep coming down uh, and it never works in isolation so it works all these uh, different exponential technologies work together and uh, i i chose to start with that chapter in gi uh, because uh, that's what i saw coming uh, and uh, we are i think we're in the thick of things today we're in the middle of it well we certainly are as someone who practiced in the analog era probably for the majority of my career it's been an explosion uh, since we've been converting to the digital digital era so let's let's focus on gi since your book really focused on uh, everything uh, from a GI perspective. How has the shift to digital affected gastroenterology? So let us consider two of the exponential technologies, right? Uh, just rolling back the clock a little bit. In 2012, I went to Singularity University, which is in the Bay Area uh, for an executive program. Uh, and uh, I had an interesting experience. Uh, they brought a self-driving car, and at that time it was the Google self-driving car. Uh, so I sat in it, and it was a Lexus, uh, and uh, it, it, it was a research project. So there was a laptop, and the laptop had wires that ran behind the steering wheel. Uh, and uh, at that time, if you think about it, all the auto companies dismissed it saying that uh, it is a research project. And to be fair, it was one. Uh, now, on top of that car was a big uh, scanner called the LiDAR scanner. It was a gray looking device uh, and uh, that kept rotating 360 degrees and it kept taking images and videos all the time. Uh, now, that entire car is more than a reality today. As you know, the service, Google service and car is called Waymo. Uh, and uh, it's likely that all of us are going to be sitting in some self-driving vehicle uh, or the other. Uh, just over the weekend, uh, Tesla simply upgraded uh, itself uh, with a full self-driving uh, update. And it was a software update. And uh, just like that, the entire uh, car became uh, almost self-driving and people have been testing it. Uh, so these are very, very interesting times. So come to you know fast forward to 2018 2019 around that time frame i kept hearing a lot of noise about uh, stool dna testing in the gi community and uh, but the noise was about uh, you know that it's not uh, it's not the right test most of the noise was about that uh, it it was uh, i think they were doing uh, the company was doing an ad campaign and uh, there was a lot of resistance in the GI community about that ad campaign that it's not correct. And uh, colonoscopies uh, is, is uh, the traditional colonoscopy is the gold standard. And to be fair, that's true. But to me, from the outside, and as a technologist or a business person, and just viewing everything very objectively, very neutrally, it seemed almost like a replay of the story of the self-driving car. So back then, there were the auto companies that were dismissing it. And uh, here uh, was a medical industry that was also dismissing uh, something uh, you know, that was in the horizon. So I became curious. 
and I wanted to find out a little bit more about this. And I saw that at the end of the day, yes, it did not have the uh, 100% sensitivity or specificity uh, that is required. But at the end of the day, it was digital biology and uh, it was generating data. So if a self-driving car can learn as a system, like because when a single Google car drives a mile, the entire Google self-driving system learns or the Waymo system learns, same with Tesla. So I began asking, why can't this happen you know, with stool DNA testing? With every test, if the company or companies are generating data, then with more data, uh, then the entire system is going to learn. So, so, so that's the first trend. Uh, digital biology is going to come into GI and many other medical specialties in a huge, huge way. Uh, and it's just not going to be about screening for one cancer, but maybe 15 different types of cancers once liquid biopsy is a reality. And there are many companies that are uh, behind it. It's just not the number of companies, but it also, it's also the sheer amount of capital uh, that is being invested uh, in this area. So that's one technology. The second one is artificial intelligence or AI. Uh, and um, again, I want to draw back on the self-driving car because it's such a fascinating example. Now, if you think about the amount of computing power that is needed uh, for the LiDAR scanner or the self-driving car to not blink, not even once, and to keep his eyes open, uh, not just on the road, but 360 degrees all around, uh, and uh, analyze that video in real time, we're talking about a huge amount of computing power. And end of the day, what is it doing? It's recognizing patterns. Uh, so, and it's recognizing patterns that for a computer is the same. So the other day, actually, uh, just a few days ago at the GI Mastermind, you mentioned that uh, I, I, sh I showed a face recognition algorithm uh, in action. Uh, and uh, I showed uh, AI in endoscopy in action. And I asked the question, does it really for matter for a computer whether you're showing a face or a polyp? Because end of the day, it's a pattern. It's going to look for certain patterns and classify it and say, this is a red card or this is uh, such a face, he's smiling, he's sad, you know, whatever. So if it can do that for uh, self-driving, if it can do that for facial recognition, very easily it should be able to do for uh, a pattern such as a polyp, it will classify it uh, and so on. So these are just two technologies. Now imagine a whole slew of technologies like robotics, sensors, uh, ingestibles, uh, 3D printing, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, and everything acting at the same time. So that's what's at uh, stake, Larry. Raveen, that was fantastic. The, a couple of comments on, on what you just told the listeners. As far as the liquid biopsies, patients will put their arm out to have a blood test very willingly. We've all done it for many, many years. That's a far cry from going through a prep and undergoing an invasive procedure. And if only 25% of the population has polyps, why are we subjecting 100% of the population to invasive procedures? So this will satisfy a need of the consumer. And 
CMS has followed suit. They've actually approved second level digital testing uh, as an approved service so that if someone has an, just an FIT test and they're positive on that FIT test, they're, they're approved to get a second level of liquid biopsy, let's say, um, in testing. So that, that is really where the population, I know we're going to get to talking about patient needs later, but the, the patients really have to be kept in mind. And as far as the AI is concerned, the variation in outcome from providers, and I spent 35 years doing this, and I know I only did perfect colonoscopies, right? Well, the the artificial intelligence is much less likely to have the same degree of variation, variability that we see from human providers. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. The, the pharmaceutical industry with studies are really uh, interested in this AI piece because that can allow them to perform drug studies or, you know, uh, technology studies with more reliability in the outcomes. Very fascinating. I love the way you tied together the imaging of a face with the imaging of a colon, and you are absolutely correct. Your second section, and one where you actually interviewed me uh, for, for Scope Forward, uh, was a section focused on business consolidation, specifically what's occurring in the private equity space. How do you see private equity investments changing the practice of GI? So, Larry, it has already changed uh, the practice of GI, I'd say. Uh, back in uh, 2019, uh, when uh, I wrote the book Private Equity in Gastroenterology, it was intended to be an ebook. Uh, but then I saw people printing it, uh, you know, taking color prints of it wherever I went. So, so I came back and told my team, I said, hey, like, you know, this needs to be a real book. And uh, that's what it was. Back then, I'd made a prediction uh, that we'd see about eight to 12 uh, private equity platforms in GI. And the way I made that prediction was not because I knew what was going to happen in GI. I just simply looked over the shoulders of dermatology and other specialties where uh, the P players were investing. So it wasn't about the medical specialty, but it was more to do with the behavior of investors. So they, once they see success or financial success in a certain area, they're going to look for similar patterns uh, in other medical specialties. And GI was right. Uh, and, uh, and, and then as we saw uh, throughout 2019 and uh, 2020, uh, the industry massively scaled up in terms of uh, private equity platforms and investments and so on. Uh, as, as you know, uh, the PE platforms operate in, um, in, in different phases or different types of PE platforms operate uh, at different types of market levels. So the current play uh, that we are seeing is making, a, forget my, uh, uh, pardon my language, uh, a cottage industry uh, into a sophisticated consolidated industry. That's what they're doing. Uh, and uh, the work that they're all doing, and every PE company has a gestation period of uh, three to seven years. Uh, so let's say an average of five, and that's what we saw with gastro health. So within five years, 
they invested and then they exited and here's where we are at the second bite of the apple there uh, so if you look at what the current set of pe companies are doing they've taken this fragmented industry and they're consolidating it they've put these uh, practices together and creating they're moving the industry from a medical practice level uh, to an organization or a business level so the entire industry is shifting from a practice of gastroenterology to the business of gastroenterology uh, and uh, there is no turning back the clock on that uh, you know that is what is happening and that's where we are going uh, so if this is the phase that we are playing in the next phase uh, would invite uh, even more sophisticated uh, investors into the mix and uh, the industry will keep getting consolidated it's not a short term game it's going to continue for several years uh, ahead and uh, with increasing levels of you know sophistication so if you consider outside of the healthcare industry some of the companies that we routinely use uh, let's let's take hertz uh, you know it's a company that went bankrupt uh, during the covid period but uh, we've all used hertz as a rental car company and they operated quite well uh, and uh, they gave good service uh, they were on top of the game and so on and so forth now they were private equity funded so just like that you know we're going to see this change in gastroenterology where the industry will be divided uh, amongst the pe funded uh, gi uh, companies if i can call them so and uh, there will be several practices that will choose Uh, not to do private equity and there'll be some more uh, that will choose to align with a hospital system and then there will be some uh, that will do strategic uh, deals uh, such as capital digestive has done like so we, you know we'll see more of those uh, so we'll see a mix of all this in the coming years let me take a little breather here if you have just tuned in you're listening to the scope with dr k our guest today is praveen shuthram author of scope forward we are using the major sections of his book to frame our discussion today one of the things you move to in your book when you're discussing this is you bring in system consolidation versus consumer consolidation and you i found it interesting that you talked about the difference between cvs health and united healthcare i thought it would be useful for you to uh, expand on this on this podcast absolutely uh, larry but i want to touch back on a point on uh, private equity you know before moving on to this part of the conversation which is uh, you know i hear gastroenterologists uh, asking the question you know private equity is good or bad uh, is it is it nice or evil and so on i you know that is not the question because this wave is already happening and the consolidation is happening uh, so you it's it's an individual choice whether you know practice decides to do it uh, or not but the more important question is how do you make it a good one or the right one and if physicians and especially gastroenterologists can be in the driving seat and not to take a step back uh, you know just because it's about business or uh, tomorrow it's going to be about technology but if they get educated and that's been the premise of the gi mastermind is that physicians are some of the smartest people on the planet Uh, it's not easy to become a doctor it is just that they've not paid attention to the business aspects as much of a medical organization uh, or uh, they, you know they've not paid attention to the technology aspects as much but if they do uh, 
this is not going to be as difficult. And the next set of physician leaders who are evolving, if they can be nicely trained across the board, and uh, you know, then I, you know, I think they'll they'll do the right thing. Uh, and ultimately, if doctors do the right thing, it will be great for patients. And that's my belief. That's my strong belief. You know, on on uh, private equity and everything else that's happening on the consolidation front. So the well, doctors we, must lead. We discussed this very subject when you interviewed me, and I think I share uh, what you're saying there. The word culture to me becomes really, really paramount. The culture of a provider providing care for a patient has to be retained. What the business structure is can fluctuate, can, can mature through consolidation and the adoption of technology. But I hope that in this transition uh, to the corporatization of medicine from cottage industry to a, to a corporate model, that we retain that culture around doctors caring for patients. We can't lose that. We lose that, we lose the whole thing. Let's shift gears here. Um, you spent a significant amount of space in the book discussing patient behavior, uh, asking how do I feel good? How do I look good? How do I live forever? This was also quite interesting to read. Tell us about your research on this. Sure. Uh, so for me, amongst the four trends, it's uh, the most ignored trend. I, you know, I, I guess that most gastroenterologists would look at this trend from the high level and say, look, I know all about patients. I see them every day. But uh, Larry, this is the trend that is actually disrupting the entire market and uh, including GI. Uh, and uh, so, so I'll... I'll share my thoughts on it. If you look at what's happening at a societal level, society is changing, it's, it's, it's changing. 50 years ago, the privileged people got antibiotics and medications. Today, the privileged people don't go behind medications. They are going after different types of treatments uh, and different types of therapies that is going to reverse their conditions or their disease and keep them healthy. And they're just not happy with, you know, just being healthy. In fact, people want to upgrade uh, themselves like computer systems. They want to upgrade their bodies. They want, they want to look better. They want to feel stronger and they want to live forever. Uh, and, and that's exactly why longevity is a huge upcoming industry. And there's billions of uh, capital being invested in that space surely because of the fact that people want to live longer. Actually, the people investing in those companies want to live longer because they like their life, uh, you know, currently, like, so they don't want it to end. And so there's a lot of innovation happening in this space, a lot of it. So now when you consider that in the context of medicine, private practice medicine, or even gastroenterology, here we are sitting in a consultation room, you know, with a patient, making them wait, uh, for a really long time and and then they come in and then we have a conversation and in the conversation we say that look I got to do a colonoscopy endoscopy to tell you you know what's wrong with you and we do that and then we say that look you know something is wrong with the, so you remove a polyp or two they come back 
and then you tell them you know you got to exercise eat right uh, and then come back and see me in 6 months some do many don't and i know you know that is the problem that uh, you're addressing and correcting at sonar md which is fantastic so but if you if you think about it these patients have got other options let's consider a condition like uh, ibs now an ibs patient and i can very safely bet uh, that some of these ibs patients are using an app called calm or uh, you know one or more of these meditation apps like headspace or you know all these have become very very popular and uh, they using some of these techniques which are outside of the regular healthcare realm uh, to reverse their conditions and uh, they they're paying with their dollars and they're paying with their time and their attention and if you actually see from a business standpoint uh, calm is not uh, you know a little app sitting somewhere uh, there are they received a valuation of 2 billion dollars now if you compare that with uh, what's happening with private equity in gi it actually trumps it right like so it's interesting for me to look at these uh, different trends at the same time uh now consider uh, an- another uh, company um, called bold health which is moving from london uh, to the us to create a complete digital gi service yet another company called oshi health uh, that's already in the space uh, they have a great amount of funding and they're raising more money again uh, they've relaunched themselves as a telemedicine pa- platform for gastroenterologists and if you consider companies like teladoc uh, which went and bought livongo uh, for several billions of dollars they're not just a us company but uh, they are a global company from what i remember uh, they're in some 70 different countries and i learned that they're approaching gastroenterologists to join their platform now if you think about why is all this happening all that these companies are doing is they're listening to the patient as a consumer they're just listening to them they don't want to wait in the office uh, they want to see the doctor from their home they want to see them through an app uh, they do not want to take many of them do not want to take drugs or medication uh, they want to heal the natural way they need hand holding and help uh, on the diet they need to know how to exercise uh they they want to learn meditation techniques it used to be a strange thing to say this even 5 years ago but now it's so much may you know so much in the mainstream uh that they actually want uh, help with uh, reducing their stress because uh, stress is causing a lot of uh, chronic gi conditions uh, and uh, they want to know how to sleep better so they want this basic stuff but we don't sell i'm using the word sell we don't sell this stuff uh in the private practice gi domain or even in the regular healthcare domain so they're taking their money and dollars and going elsewhere and that is the trend of patient behavior praveen thank you so much uh for being on today thanks to our audience for tuning in you can learn more about the show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and lend your voice to the conversation on twitter at hcnowradio Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SonarMD. We're bringing patients, providers, and payers together to reimagine GI care. Until next time, I'm Dr. K. Stay well. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. K. Tune in with me next time to reimagine the scope of GI care. If we build it, they will join.